0: Welcome to another episode of the Chatterbox Video Game Radio Show. My name's Alon. And I'm Ara. Now, we are recording this show from, do you know what room this is, Abby? No? 102C, apparently, from the Phoenix Convention Center during during FIG, the Future is Games conference. Ara, you only just stepped into this room a few minutes ago. What do you think? I think I've never seen this many um, power pellets in real life before. Yeah, I haven't posted it to our Facebook page yet, but I will post some photos and maybe even some video of people playing uh real live action Pac-Man. It was fun. We actually we have one of the players here. Abby, do you want to grab grab the mic? So, what did you what did you think of the the live action Pac-Man?
1: I really enjoyed it. I've never done anything like that before. Um and normally I think that kind of thing is a little bit gimmicky like I've, I've never really enjoyed the whole gimmicky this is my things. game but i really enjoyed it no hats off to you you have converted me I, i've never enjoyed that kind of thing before but i really enjoyed it i was the, the cheerleader for everyone else joining in so it was good
0: okay well thank you for that um clearly positive opinion i appreciate it so uh, like i said we'll have pictures and and that'll be great so you guys can talk about how much you wish you were here and maybe we'll do this again sometime at some other event or at uat or something um UAT, by the way, totally sponsoring this, just like they sponsor the show. It's uh, it's a good thing.
2: Now, Ara. Fantastic. You have a talk in a few minutes. I have not only a talk. I have the longest talk that I will have ever given in my life so far. Like an entire hour? It's going to be like 90 minutes. What? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. You want me to stay for the whole thing, right? Because, of course, the quality can only be judged by duration.
0: Okay. Um, all right. Well, then I guess we should finish the show as quickly as possible so that yeah. you have time to prepare mentally for this mammoth of a talk that you're going to give.
2: Well, I've been, I've been, like, it's actually funny because I was, like, thinking in my head about how much time I put in, like, researching these things and developing this talk, and it's actually been, like, a couple hundred hours. Wow. And so... Um, and mostly it was just a reason to somehow leverage part of my life back from syncing uh, so much of it into the free-to-play games. So you, it's not as, um, yeah.
0: Would you like us to record that and put it on as a bonus podcast for Chatterbox?
2: Good, good question. We could totally do that. But I'm going to give it again in a couple months at IGDA. Yeah. And it will be better then. So, Well, I mean... I don't think there's a lot of
0: overlap between Chatterbox listeners and live. Fair
2: enough. Then so let's totally do if that. If you want
0: to get it out there. But it's up to you. you oh, know, let's go for it. Copyright Ara Sharinian. We don't have to put that on Chatterbox if you don't want to. No, but it's fine. Let's, okay. let's go for it. Sweet.
2: I think it's pretty obvious uh, when like, there's a recording of somebody speaking that like, it's their work. Oh, that's so. not always true. <laughs> do you remember Millie Vanilli? <laughs> I think I can avoid that problem okay. pretty easily. All right, cool. So
0: um, certainly we do want to talk about about video games. Uh, there have been some people talking here, although I have not listened to all of them. Um, we can just talk, I mean, we could just go normal, normal style. Well,
2: before we go normal style, uh, you said something that thoroughly incensed me.
0: Yes, I, I think. Why, I did. why don't
2: you say it one more time? Uh, because um, I'm not raging enough yet. So before
0: before we a recording. Uh, the most recent speaker we had here was Chris Crawford via some sort of telecommunication.
2: How dare you? Uh,
0: Chris Crawford, I don't even know what he Doesn't he make some sort of star game? Like, Wait a minute. That
2: was premature. Okay. How dare you?
0: Do, doesn't he make some kind of Star Warsian type, you know, you're in space doing stuff? He game?
2: was best known perhaps for, and now I'm going to put my shoe in my mouth, there was a game, I think it was called uh, Balance of Power. That was it, yeah. And that was uh, very, very highly lauded in the game design community, and it was very old. That was like an early 80s game, right? All right. Well, listen. Mid-80s.
0: I do not dare to comment on his ability to design or produce a game in any way.
2: Yeah. However,
0: his ability to speak to an audience about um, predetermined subject matter is incredibly limited. How dare you? Because he spoke for an hour. And the title of the talk, does anybody, do you know the title of the talk?
2: I was, I was actually interested in it just from reading the title. It was something about how we're going to like cognition, do cognition in the future with games. It was something.
0: something to the effect of like the, the effect on video games of, you know, Human civilization, cognition. culture, something. Yeah.
2: Cognition. That's, that's, I'm pretty sure that word was somewhere in there somewhere. Okay.
0: Well, it was something to do with video games. That's for damn sure. And video games. And he talked for at least 45 minutes. Yeah. Basically, without mentioning a video game, he just, he just went over human history. Like, the Egyptians did this, and have, they were taken have over by the. That's some culture, sea people, why and, don't you? No, it's fine. It was not uninteresting content, but it was not relevant content. Like, he had a 45 minute lead up, and I'm sure he made a valid point. But I left before he made that point. And I was there for 45 minutes. I was like, screw this. This guy doesn't want to talk about games at all. Like, if I had come to a history session, that'd be one thing. And like I said, didn't even find the content, you know, uninteresting. But well, it, was, it was just not relevant. This and you, feels- when you have an audience, you need to be both relevant and of high quality. I guess it was the future effects of gaming on human cognition.
2: So how gaming might affect human cognition. Well, look... Obviously, I didn't. I wasn't there, so I saw even less than you. So, I can't say. I mean, some one person liked it. I know that, um, but one I am person mostly, said he liked Chris. I, he well, didn't I say like, anything about liking okay, okay. the talk. I like Chris. Okay, I don't just like Chris. I he's like. Um, He's like the Arnold Schwarzenegger of video games to me. Well, okay. we
0: also have a long-standing Chatterbox feud with Chris because he was supposed to come on this show years ago and bailed. Really, last-minute bailed. He
2: he was like, "Look, let me tell you something about Chris Crawford, and this is why I love him so much." You ever? He wrote this book a while ago, and it was called basically uh, it's like the art and science of computer games, right, Tristan? Okay, Tristan's our um, fact checker now. Yeah. yeah. So I never read the book when it came out, but I actually read it when it was circulating around the Internet uh, around 2005, and apparently it was out of print and, or something like that. Anyway, when I read it, you ever read something and you're like, wow, that guy's right, and then like 10 pages in, yeah, he's right about that too, and then like 100 pages in, like, yeah, he's right about every single thing he says. And that was my experience reading that book.
0: Great. That's fantastic. But let me tell you, I do some public speaking and I study to a small extent just to make sure that I do a good job. I do an okay job. He does a crappy job. That's all I'm saying. And that was my exposure to him, is his
2: public speaking, which was junk. Okay, well, I, um, I fear for your safety uh, now that you have um, said unmentionables about yeah. Chris Crawford. That's all right. I mean, I would still hang out with the guy. He would actually have very
0: interesting conversation, but but he completely failed to hit the mark.
2: Well, I know he gets a lot of flack and I don't, I don't agree for, with for the what being a blowhard, which just, is what I said. Earlier. Well, in general, he, he, uh, I'm not even going to pretend to uh, enumerate what he, all the things he gets flack for, but I'll just say that I don't feel like much of it's deserved. Uh, I think that he's, uh, I just like the way he thinks. I like the way he talks. It's uh, and I like the way no, he gets upset, also, and I, I very much admire that. How he gets upset? Yeah, you've seen him upset. Yeah, it's awesome. What happens? Maybe Tristan has some uh, words to contribute here. Should I jump in? Is this on or it's it's so on? Okay, no. It's like one of my favorite things
3: from Chris Crawford was his dragon speech, which is actually the speech on which he left the game industry, which was a total shock to everybody. Um, he gave this long kind of. Uh, Don Quixote discussion of searching for the dragon and it was a metaphor for what he wanted to accomplish with games and it was pretty amazing. And uh, then he left and that's kind of the unfortunate part is because he didn't really like produce anything for many years after that.
0: What does that mean to leave?
3: Like he stopped completely producing games or being involved with the game industry.
0: So Um, does does it mean that I've left the game industry because I stopped playing games for like a week?
3: I think it has to be a long enough time scale that people start... I mean did he absence. did he announce
0: and I'm out like Mike he actually said charge
3: pulled out an imaginary sword and ran out the room never to be seen in the game industry again really yeah you should look it up on YouTube it's pretty amazing
0: that sounds fascinating that sounds like um like a mental break actually
3: probably a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B
2: okay i got to say one thing that also incenses me very much is when People have discussions or conversations about the definitions of words, like uh, game, okay? And the main reason why this upsets me is that it's, it's like, look, okay, there's a microphone here, right? And we call it a microphone just because we all agree that that's the word we use to represent this thing that's in my hand, right? Well, I mean, they're just symbols. And most of the discussions that happen around like, well, what's a game and what's art and is the game art and is a game not art or is it something else? And what's a, and there's other words there's like, is it a challenge? Is it a competition? Is it a toy? All these other things, right? It just, look, it means whatever you define it to mean, right? So a lot there's all this argumentation happening about game about what a game is or isn't and I think that it's all just completely useless. However, in that book that I mentioned a moment ago, Chris Crawford gave, in my opinion, the most exquisite and complete and sensible definition of all of those terms in his book in 1983. And I just think everybody should just listen to Chris Crawford and stop arguing.
0: Okay. Well, clearly you have a bit of a man crush, and that's, that's fine. And I,
2: I do not uh, hesitate to admit that yeah. whatsoever. All right. So... It's a platonic man crush. If you're wondering, I'll so in case there's any questions, I trust because that's really important that that's clear. I trust that's the case. All
0: right. All well, right let's have, stop talking about Chris. Crawford. We have a couple minutes before the break. Uh, although, you know, you were just talking about words and game and whatever. There, there was one other uh, speaker that I listened to yesterday. He was the guy from Lazy Eight. I don't know his name. Now. Rob Jagdow. Jagdow. Not
2: later. Now. Rob
0: Jagdow. All right. Seemed like a very nice guy. And he mentioned at one point in the talk, it's like you know, most people say that the the purpose of making a game, or what, rather, the emotion that you want to evoke is fun. You know, quote, fun. And we've we've talked about that word in the past. You're not a big fan. Th- that's um,
2: another word that upsets me.
0: Yeah. But he pointed out, you know, that doesn't have to be the case. You could have a game where your goal is to produce fear, or you know, so- or,
2: or yeah, money, something even. else. Yeah. Perhaps.
0: Anyway, we'll be right back. Chatterboxers, how much do you love Amazon.com? Since you're like me, the answer is a lot. And since you love Chatterbox almost as much, here's what I want you to do. Next time you get a new game, a pair of socks, downloadable MP3, anything really, go to helpchatterbox.com. It takes you to Amazon, but when you buy something, we get a piece of the action. It's good for us, and Amazon feels good because you didn't buy it from GameStop. Helpchatterbox.com. Remember it. Bookmark it. Tattoo it backwards on your forehead. And yes, all I'm asking you to do is buy stuff you are already going to buy. Just do it at helpchatterbox.com.
2: And we are back. You're listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio uh, Live. Recording at a Futurist Games Conference. Yeah, we say live, but of course you're not listening to it live. This is this is live. You know what? No, no, we're going to call this Chatterbox Live because we have a live audience and we're in a public venue, and um, I, now I consider us like on the same level of like, uh, This American Life now, clearly. Oh,
0: yeah, no, I'm sure Ira wishes that he was here so that he could play live-action Pac-Man.
2: Yeah, I'm sure he's kicking himself that he didn't get a ticket.
0: Yeah. That's well, it. he will once he hears this. Anyway, um, so so much to talk about. So much based on our very tiny piece of paper in front of us. Um, <clears throat> where where do, you want, do you want to start? Or I've, I've got something. i got a couple little here. things, you know. Little things?
2: Yeah, let's go, let's go for the little things first, right. the low-hanging fruit.
0: Another. I, I'm a little upset because I saw the word edar on your paper, and that scares me.
2: Well, it should, but okay. that's that's not, it's not time for that yet. So, we talked before a couple of weeks ago about all how all the crazy Android micro consoles are coming out, and how there's like seven of them, and how this is kind of like this this crazy competition, and we can't fathom why there's all these new separate platforms coming out, and that makes no sense because uh, that's like a good way to make sure that they all fail. Yeah, kind of absolutely. like in an election, right? Yeah. Well, I'm sure well, each
0: one that's Releasing is suspecting that they're going to have better marketing or better plan than everybody else. Although I bet the mojo from Madcats is like the only one that'll have any marketing behind it.
2: Who knows? But one thing I do know is that apparently there's not enough consoles yet because there's another one and it's called Unu and it's like going to be like hundred, two hundred. It's going to be a couple hundred bucks. And it's, another, it's just
0: another Android? Uh,
2: yeah. I'm, all, I'm so confused now. It's another one.
0: If Why? they were cross-compatible, it would be fine. It would just be like different PCs.
2: Well, a lot of them are, right? But the thing is is that like the ones that aren't... No, I don't even want to say that. Anyway, look, that's all I have to say about that. It's just another one, and I'm shocked that another one is being introduced into this market. Does this one have any competitive advantage over the others? Um, I just wouldn't even... My eyes have glazed over so thoroughly about this topic that I didn't even care to look because I can't fathom how it could be, uh, be good enough or different enough from all the other ones. So, I don't know.
0: All right. Well, I guess bummer for them, because they will inevitably fail. I'll tell you what. If I had the opportunity to release a new one, I would not do it.
2: I, I would have the, uh, at the same inclination myself. Okay.
0: Good. Well, I'm glad we're on not,
2: the same page not, not uh Not this season, anyway.
0: All right, so I'm I'm going to tell you. Changing gears here, there's a bit of news that I read only today um, about. So you know how Grand Theft Auto Online has all of the all these troubles getting the game started. You're aware of that, something like that, yeah. Okay, so apparently, to basically accommodate people who were hurt by the game not running very well, or just anyone who played it early while it was uh, crappy, Rockstar is going to put 500 grand in. Game currency into all of these players' accounts. Just be like, oh hey, you know, hope the rest of it goes smoothly for you. And there's a quote here somewhere. Is this now? This
2: is a uh, since Grand Theft Auto is a conventional game. This game currency like doesn't really have any real money value. It's just uh, I don't, We'll just throw you a bone in the game. Yeah, right? I don't. Right, right, Kristen. Right, I don't think that you can sell it. The reason buy some.
3: the reason they're doing that is actually because the game launched with microtransactions for real world money, where Aha. people had their accounts deleted due to like a server error like hundreds of times like I don't know how exactly the number of users but basically yeah they, they had people's real world money taken from them and permanently deleted so they're basically trying to like cop out and say okay if you spent real world money we're giving you this instead and it'll be about equivalent ideally except for obviously the whales who probably already spent like yeah. tons of money. So
0: that was not mentioned in the article that I read and it's certainly not an if you spent money, it's just it's going to go into everybody's accounts, at least according, again, to
2: the article that I read. What, so what do you think about this remuneration, Tristan? I mean, like, what does each person get? They don't get 500K. Yeah. In, two, in two
0: separate $250,000 deposits. But it's, oh. not, it's not the equivalent of, of human money or of, like, U.S. currency and that much. It's just because the game uses dollars, yeah. right? So you're getting $500,000 dollars but it's virtual so Tristan, is And this, I don't know uh, how that converts to microtransaction. Like if you're buying, do you use uh, U.S. dollars to buy game dollars? Or do you buy, use U.S. So dollars no, to will buy like, a car you use U.S. dollars
3: to buy actual items um, if you're purchasing through microtransactions? Like, I haven't played online, so I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, the, the, the trouble with it is that like, they've already kind of had a broken economy as a result of all kinds of crashing. And this is really just an attempt to like save face, from what I understand.
0: So that's sort of the point, what I want to get to. So the quote I'm reading here is, uh, for players who experienced cloud server errors, connection issues, and lost game progress and characters in the first days of Grand Theft Auto Online, we hope this Grand Theft Auto cache helps to facilitate a fresh start or makes your continued life in Los Santos and Blaine County extra sweet. And so uh, there was also mention of, of how they want to Okay, so they're breaking up the 500 grand into two separate deposits, quote, to keep the current worldwide in-game economy balanced. And so my argument is, if they're introducing money into the system that has the potential to disrupt the in-game economy, they shouldn't do it, right? Because there are things you you have in a game that create game experiences, right? And part of that is economy. And we've talked before about how freemium games are games that allow you to like buy currency that lets you skip things or um just get through things more easily they're game breaking basically because the game the intention of the game is to have you actually play and enjoy the game and experience the game and by just injecting money in with u.s currency you're taking away the game but people feel like they got a bunch of free stuff but that that's what's happening here they're they're satisfying people and making them feel better but actually in the long run they're hurting those people by taking away the game experience well if if they felt that the original game
2: experience was of high quality anyway <laughs> I they, find this interesting that they're they're splitting it up because what I think will happen is that I mean it's an economy and when you introduce lots and lots of money to everybody in the economy what happens
0: it it uh, it inflates everything.
2: Yeah, every like super inflation, right? So, it sounds to me like they have computed, or at least have some kind of estimate of how much the economy is going to suffer inflation. With this, uh, it's like quantitative easing. You know, it's like that Obama check that we got like a couple years ago that we've all completely forgotten about now.
0: Yeah, it's. It's just dumb. They should have found some other way to satisfy these people. But I don't. I mean, or, I don't or think just it's... not done it. Just been like, hey, we hope the game being awesome is great, and maybe you'll get some free DLC or something like that 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 enhances the game or adds more game uh-huh. to it, but not just giving you money that ruins your experience.
3: I think the the problem is that they
0: have a
3: whole infrastructure of an MMO, basically, without having any experience running an MMO. And they also had microtransactions without having really like a free-to-play background. So what they realized very rapidly is that they completely ruined an experience and had no way of resolving it effectively. So as shitty as it might be as a consequence, I think this is the best thing they could possibly do considering what happened because people lost real-world money Objects and they don't really know how to resolve that. This must be so, why
2: their stock is going down yeah. every day.
0: Here's the thing, I don't, <laughs> I, I, I find it hard to believe that they can't track that money. It's just
3: that it, trying to resolve this on a case by case basis because it happens so randomly. don't have to resolve
0: case by case. You could say everyone who made a purchase so far, we will recreate that purchase. Everyone. Every single person here, you get double.
2: Maybe they can't do that, though. I don't
3: know, because that's, that's what I mean about them being kind of, like, naive at this market. That's is the, it th- maybe be that buy, they have something I don't really buy that at
2: all. Well, could, consider this, guys. I mean, this is also, besides all the other things you mentioned, Tristan, this is also the first time that this developer has done an online product of this depth. And so yeah, but it's not
0: like they haven't played them. And more importantly, it's not like they haven't made Oh yes, games but in the that, past.
2: that is that is the most seductive thought in the game industry that because you played video game of a certain kind that you can now no, make but, that video but game.
0: But you uh, there's that coupled with the fact that they have extensive experience making a game, whether or not it's online. They understand what a game is and yeah, they there this are things is, that are good and I, bad I for find the game.
2: this actually to be really interesting and completely expected. It there's actually it's really interesting how a company or a group of people's ability to make a specific type of game actually tends not to translate to uh, other types of games, especially ones that are just very, very different in how they work. It doesn't make any sense intuitively, but it's, it's, this, is, this is a huge example of, uh, of the case. Yeah. I don't think
0: they need to do it this way.
2: So, so is Tristan getting the bonus, but you don't play online, so you don't get the bonus, or what? Well, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to check. <laughs> I don't know how
3: that would play out. You I, didn't turn it on at I, all? I haven't done online or anything like that yet. So, all right. Well, it might be I'll for people who
0: play anytime during October. I, I can't.
3: <laughs> Maybe I should jump on and like try to get my bonus before it runs out.
0: Yeah, exactly. It says the stimulus package will be available to those who've played anytime during October. Oh, 20- they're, calling, by yeah. the way. they're calling it a stimulus package. Yeah. That's nicely so done. So anytime during 23- uh, October 2013. So just turn it on, get online, and then you'll get free cash for your online.
3: Oh, portion. by the way, I just wanted to mention, I think the fact that they're doing it in two payments has nothing to do with the economy and actually has way more to do with the idea of retention. I think they're trying to make sure that people who are really unhappy have a reason to stay slightly longer so that they can fix problems and then say, "Oh hey, you
0: like this game now, so please stay."
2: You know what? I think you're totally right, and I buy that. Yeah. Well,
0: I'm just I'm just reading you what's in there, the quote. Their their true intentions, who knows.
2: This is see this is this is actually this is a really good like microcosmic example of what corporations love to do in cases when they communicate is that they just, they just give you the plausible answer because they never want to tell you the real answer. And that works on, like, every level.
0: I wouldn't even mind. Like, if they said exactly what you just said, I'd be like, yeah, that totally makes sense. We want to give it to you and give you more later so that you have reason to stick around.
3: I think it sort of destroys the veil of illusion that most free-to-play games are trying to engender, which is that they're doing things for you, not for them. Like, retention is kind of a scary sort of concept for the average gamer to think about and process as a reason for why they're purchasing something or why it's set up a certain way
0: it's not like i I don't I, i mean i hear you right but at the same time it and we're we're really speculating at this point i'll i'll have to finish my thought after the break we'll be right back Chatterbox Video Game Radio.
2: It's a number
0: one. Woo-hoo. All right, we're back. I I said I would finish my thought coming back from break. Inevitably, I forgot some of it. I think what I wanted to say is that like. The users or customers or listeners or whatever, your audience basically, regardless of the venue, they appreciate sincerity and honesty more than pretty much any company appreciates. Um, and and if they were just honest, uh, and, and again, speculation, don't know that they're not being, uh, but if they just said that, then they'd be good. I mean, the, the people would appreciate it and stick around. And, like, no matter what, you're going to get people saying, I like what you did or said, and people who say say they don't like what you did or said?
3: The the one thing is that, unfortunately, that's statistically not true in at least a few cases. So the example of dual currencies in most games, the reason that that is way more effective is because people don't actually know how much they're spending or how much this game costs to play. So if you abstract currencies and confuse numbers and make people mathematically unsure of what's going on, they will spend more money. And it's unfortunately just a reality that if you don't do that, you're cutting your wallet in half or maybe even more. And so maybe, like, while I do mean that's why they, nice.
0: You are saying they don't tell people outright. That's why they do the split. Well, I mean, it's thing? part of that whole like abstraction because if you
3: do tell people, oh no, you're like we're just trying to retain you. The, well, the same problem. Listen, I am not saying you up. should just
0: volunteer information all the time, but when something like this happens and you make a statement of whatever purpose, right? Honesty is pretty much always the best solution. I think in the long haul, it definitely is.
3: I, I don't know, R.A., if you have any thoughts on this. With I was under the impression
2: up. that the best solution uh, was that no matter what disaster happens, uh, you just publicly declare that you're taking it very seriously, and then everyone will just trust you.
0: Yeah. No, that's a good point. That's certainly what we learn uh, if we pay attention to the world. But Anyway, I'm ready
2: to move on. We okay, let's move, move on to... Past, um, past rock star Ken Levine. God, I hate to say it that way, but okay. So... I saw this story the other day where Ken Levine, who is the proprietor of the Bioshock series, if you don't know, and the proprietor, I guess, of Irrational Games. Yeah. He's, he's the one who gets all of the attention for Bioshock. And he did a Ask Me Anything thing on Reddit, and that got um, a little portion of it got advertised a little more on some of the blogs about how uh, he's like, guys stop making porn of Elizabeth. And if you don't know, Elizabeth is this character in the game. And he's like he's like okay, there's like I've got a few I've got a few complaints.
0: So Should b- before you go on uh, oh, you know what? You I think you're going to say this too. Okay, I'll let you go.
2: Well, look. He's like, "Oh, you know, I die a little inside every time I see pornography of Elizabeth this character and the first thing that comes to mind is that then then why did you choose to as part of like the main press of the game like release this image of her like in this fantastically hot busty whatever top it was that she was wearing because that was some like that was some massive cleavage and not like physically huge but it was like really sexy and so part of me thinks that, like, he's just saying this because uh, he just wants more of it. Because he can't, be, he can't be ignorant to the Streisand effect, for one. But the second thing, the second complaint I have is that he was like, oh, it's like, you know, it's, I kind of, like, think of her as my daughter, right? He yeah, meant, that's, he, w-
0: that's what I was going to say, because I read a different interview with him today where he refers to her as essentially he doesn't have a daughter and he, he feels like she is his. Yeah,
2: so this this only reminded me of, you know, time various times throughout my life, I talk about, you know, things that are not humans with people and things like projects, like creative works, you know, so on and so forth. And pretty early on, I remember that some of my friends would like talk about like this project or that project as like being somebody's baby, much like Elizabeth, maybe this uh, person's daughter, right? And it just, like, it doesn't sit well with me at all to, like, anthropomorphize something like that, right? Every single time I've been in a situation where, like, somebody considers something, like, inanimate their baby, like, it's just bad news. Because, I mean, even if, even if they're not really serious about it. I just don't like looking at, like, why, why would you even make that comparison? Like, it's not your daughter. It's not a person. Why would you even, like, make that message? I don't know, man. Maybe he's emotionally connected to the character. I mean, clearly he claims to be clearly, but I just I just don't think it's healthy. Well. And, and not and not on and I'm not on like the the like he really thinks it's a real person, like and that's unhealthy basis. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about like when you're so emotionally okay. Okay, our uh, our friend from the UK has something to say, but hold on, let me let me finish my thought. So. It's like okay, I lost it. Go ahead. It's
1: just a really quick. Uh, yeah, maybe it's it can just even so be switching. really long. Well, no, no it's just the, the process, maybe of putting in something, you know, putting the work into something and being proud of this of this creation. You know, you're putting the effort in and, and it being something that you're proud of. I know, the but why does it have process? to? Why does it
2: have to be alive? Like, why <laughs> do you have to cross that but threshold? But it's the
1: same guy if, I mean, does he have kids? Does anyone know if he has? He doesn't kids? have a daughter. Okay. Doesn't have a daughter. I don't yet. know if no, he has that's... kids, but he definitely. In the, so he can. Uh, in he I can read. definitely understand the difference between actually physically having children and physically raising a child, as opposed to creating something fictitious. It's, it's, yeah,
2: but it's, you see, it's not like that's not the angle. Uh, the angle is a little more uh, subconscious than that. Where, like, when you start like saying like this project's my baby and thinking Do about it this way, or my, or my daughter, yeah. <laughs> but when you start when you start s- speaking like that, it's like it's an unhealthy level of emotional attachment even if you say it in jest it's just weird to me and maybe maybe you know what actually just thinking about what i'm saying right now maybe this is all a huge mistake because i think in all likelihood uh he's just giving lip service anyway and just saying something so that people can talk about it and he probably doesn't even care anyway
0: honestly if someone thought my character was cool enough to then make porn out of it i would be flattered and may- maybe that's not the popular view, but.
2: Well, there's, there aren't I would many people, okay, who can enjoy that luxury in this world. So that is an elite class of person who right. has created something that, that is, uh, someone else has made porn out of.
0: The irony, by the way, is that he, I assume, had nothing to do with the visual of the character, which is the only thing that's being converted to porn. Not like, you know, her. No, I think he had scripts. everything to do.
2: No, he's not the artist. No, but he's the person who, like, will tell the artist to, uh, after the artist does uh, something good, he will be the person to tell the artist, uh, no, change uh, this list of 18 specific things precisely and uh, don't talk back. Okay. No? Does this not happen, Tristan? Um,
3: So, I mean, like, I don't know the capacity that Ken Levine has as a creative director, but, I mean, he has talked pretty frequently about the fact that he's the final say on everything that goes into the game. And I know that they did go through a lot of narr- narrative passes at getting both the story and the characters the way that they were in the final product. It was very specifically chosen. And I think he had a lot to do with it. Yeah,
2: and without without commenting on uh, this, this person in specific, I, I would like to comment that it's it's interesting because I found that in, at least in my experience, like whenever that kind of relationship happens where there's like a director who has final say on everything and they're usually like, usually it's like a Kubrickian style director, right? Which is like, yeah, like in the the list of things of changes is like 80, things long because Kubrick was like really famous for doing like 80, 90 takes of something because he's just not happy unless every single thing is right exactly the way he wants it and you can never ever guess what's in his mind because it changes constantly anyway. Anyway, my point is, right, it's not about Kubrick it's not about Ken Levine but that there is a certain relationship that happens in the game industry that's pretty common where there's a director and there's a person doing the work and it's It's always, it's like a special kind of problem when the director doesn't know. And I'm not saying this necessarily has to do with either of those cases, but it it reminded me. When the director is not actually doing the work, when somebody directing something isn't actually doing the work, they can't know what decision process and trade-offs have gone through. So what often ends up happening is that, I'll cut to the chase here, the guy who's actually doing the work, they actually end up kind of checking out because they don't feel like they have any more control over what they're doing, right? Because it's like, look, if you're making something creative, are you doing it because your own creative senses are telling you what you should be doing? Are you directing it yourself or someone else directing it? If somebody else is directing it, now you're second-guessing yourself. And what, what I've seen this happen, I, I think I've talked to about this before about a year ago. What ends up happening in the worst case is that the person actually doing the creative work ends up checking out because every single creative thing they do ends up getting overruled anyway. And so they feel like they don't have any control over the process. So they actually end up losing their own expertise and their faculties in the creative process, which is incredibly destructive all around because you get bad work. The guy who is doing the work is upset. The guy who is commanding the work is upset. And everybody's upset.
0: Okay, so don't boss people around is what you're saying?
2: So that's the short version, I guess. Yeah. Okay. There's, I mean, there's a couple other different philosophies of working, right? One is like the super like chummy team way where like nobody owns anything, which I think is actually just like a different kind of bad and is just as bad. But the kind of middle ground that I think is ideal is the one where, and I'll let you guys in a second yeah I, I just want to finish this thought is that you give somebody responsibility about something you give them their own control over a subset of things but you make it really clear what they do and don't have control over and that way they can actually use you know their expertise and their faculties that they've honed over the years but yet at the same time right you can hopefully you avoid uh, having this problem of you know everything I just mentioned
1: just I, th- I think it entirely depends on the mindset of the artist, to be honest. I mean, I've, I have a really, really small commercial Louder. experience. I have a really small um, experience commercially in, in video game development. But um, if I think if you go into it with an understanding that you are a commercial artist, this is work for someone else, and you kind of do the work for them, then it's a different... Of, yeah, that's yeah, absolutely that's true. Way.
2: Expectations go a long way. Yeah, and I mean, if
1: you go into expecting to be your own creative director, you're going to be disappointed, you're going to be unhappy. But if you go into it knowing that it's not your work you're doing, you're doing someone else's vision... Then that—that's. I don't see why, and somebody should be so upset and you know enraged that they're doing someone else's work. Is their job as a commercial artist? No, that's to it's, do this it's a
2: really good point, and and I've all the examples that I've said about when things break down and stuff like that. That's in my when in my experiences. That's normally happened when there's an artist who normally is just has his own jurisdiction, and then now someone else is coming over, and he's not accustomed to that dynamic.
4: Where are you going to find a Master of Science program in technology that creates thinkers who understand how business works and how to apply the technology? Where else are you going to discover a graduate degree in technology that is customized to meet your objectives? Where else in the Valley, on campus or online, can you study at the only private university that gives you the opportunity to focus in specialized areas like network security, artificial life programming, and game studies, as well as technology management? Where else? Where else but the University of Advancing Technology. UAT's graduate technology program is accelerated. It combines business with technology. It offers the flexibility to adapt quickly to changes that come in high-tech fields. Feed your brain. Lead. Manage. You won't find this innovative environment anywhere else. UAT, the select private university where you'll be fully immersed in technology. The experience is unrivaled. Click UAT.edu. That's uat. Dot edu.
2: And we're back once again. It's Chatterbox Video Game Radio, and Tristan is. Um, frothing at the mouth. What's going on, Tristan? And
0: after I tell you guys to visit uat.edu, the website for the University of Advancing Technology, Tristan can tell us what he thinks. <laughs> well,
3: so um like we were just talking about the fact that uh, there's artist expectations manage a lot of how that relationship goes between them and the creative director, but um, I think that like when you're in that position at the top of the chain, it's pretty important to um Am I holding my
0: microphone? Okay, there we go. Now now
3: you got it. Okay, cool. All right. Um, So I I think when you're in that creative direction position, um, there's sort of an onus on you to make sure that everybody is in line with your vision, like in that they agree with you and that they understand why a decision is made so that a lot of the actual decision-making can be abdicated to the person who's doing the work. Well,
2: the latter makes sense, right? But you're not going to get everybody to agree with you. The best you can hope for, I think, is that they understand sure. the reason.
3: But I, th- I think that like r- strong creative visions can be expressed to a team in a way that they can get behind. And I think that's an important task that's often overlooked.
2: Well, it's really interesting that you mention that. Because I've, I've heard from people who have worked in very large teams on projects. And basically, I just want to hear what you say to this. Basically... It's been said that with a sufficiently large team and a sufficiently novel game idea, like not Madden 13, which is like, we all know what we're going to do because we just did it. And we're just going to do that again and uh, add mustaches or whatever, like reflections on the eyebrow hairs or something. That you can't... It's actually impossible to get everybody in line because A when you're making a video game, unless it's uh, very, very entrenched in a certain genre, it's so new that people's heads just go crazy. You can't ever actually hope to bring them together and ensure that everybody has the same thing in their mind just by virtue of the fact of the novelty of the concept.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that's very true, but I think there's also scales to it because even on a very large team, there are a number of people at the tops of those chains who make creative decisions, and I think that... um, there's a strong risk that one person is going to stifle the creative goals of another person who is also in charge of their specific domain because of saying that this is supposed to be a homogenous belief structure and that that other person can't insert into it what they are working on, like if they're an animation expert or if they're an artist or whatever it ends ends up being their speciality. I think that there's too much um, lack of sharing of that vision,
2: I think. Perhaps.
1: Not just that, but um, consistency-wise, if it's not someone else, if it's not the creative director's you know, job to manage that vision, then you know, each and every artist can kind of go, well, I want it to look like this, or I kind of want my style to be significant in this, or I don't really like this, and it just opens up all this opportunity for inconsistency. And I think that's something as well, you know, it is your job to communicate the style, how it's supposed to be done. You know, someone else's vision, that vision that you're being paid to. to that's do. true. Yeah.
2: I'm just, I'm just amazed that there's like projects where different people are working on the art and they can make it all look the same because, yeah, I'm, because I'm not that kind of artist. It's to it, it me. Amaz- it amazes me that people can draw frames of animation and there's somebody's limb and that limb doesn't like change size every single frame. I don't know how that happens.
3: The one thing I think most games run the risk of doing is that whole kind of like median decision making where it's a committee deciding on what's going on like this happened in some of the professional stuff that I've done where Everybody had completely drastically different opinions, but everybody had kind of equal weight to their opinions. So they ended up reaching this kind of like boring medium where nothing was actually developed very interestingly.
2: Yeah, and it's funny because people pay lip service to that. They're like, oh, we're not going to do design by committee. But the thing is, is that sometimes it just happens de facto that way anyway, even though it's not, you know, by that formal structure. It's just like the way you go about doing things because, you know, there's – I think when – boundaries and roles and expectations are not properly defined. You get into that spot where things, whether you say that you're not, even if you say you're not doing it by committee, it ends up being by committee because you have, like, now you have, like, these, like, so-called stakeholders, right? And each person is exerting, like, a certain amount of political influence on the project. And the problem is is that now that kind of, like, political influence starts, like, becoming overbearing, on like what you're actually doing, right? So people start like working to protect themselves, and uh, and like all that stuff's really bad because it's just that's just political chicanery. That's not actually doing the creative thing.
0: So can we move on to something else now?
2: Okay, that's good. Why not? It's sure. safe. Totally. All right. So what else have we got? Well, we can talk about the Steam controller.
0: Yeah, I actually wanted to hear what you had to say about it because so far all I've seen is what I assume is a render, uh, if not a render, then a picture of the actual controller. And I can't understand how it could be used to replace keyboard and mouse, which was my understanding of kind of what their, their point is.
2: Yes. Today, is. they released a new video that I just saw, uh, which illustrates quite well uh, I have and now a much more favorable impression of the controller after watching that video than I used to. Were you as confused as I was
0: prior to that video?
2: Uh, no, because I, uh, prior to the video, I thought that it was basically just an overblown Turbo Touch 360. Okay. If you remember that back in the day. I do. With the octagon arena of touching. Anyway, yeah. that sounds really interesting. Back in the days of the Super Nintendo? Yeah. So... There's two things it does that are really cool to me that I actually didn't know about previous to today. One of the things is that what it does is it actually has like one to one style movement of a mouse that you can map to you know either side. So there's a touchpad, let's say on the right side, and you're basing around uh, with your thumb, and it's very nice because you can you know the mouse will move proportionally to how far you move on the thing, and so what it allows you to do that. Uh, pretty novel and unique and good is that now if you are doing like aiming uh, in an analog space whether that's with a mouse directly or yeah with a mouse right because that's what it's supposed to replace you can very easily do incredibly precise movements right just kind of like you know rolling your thumb a little bit and you can also do very fast movements and so those things are to me, well, I mean, it's way better than a controller for that application, for sure, a standard one. The other thing that was really cool was that they actually showed it demoing a game where they're actually mapping both the right and the left side to mouse movement. And so what this means is that if you move your fingers on both trackpads in the same direction at the same time, then uh, the mouse moves twice as fast. So now you can actually, even even though it seems redundant... Right, because mouse mapping is on the left side and the right side, you can uh, now modulate your speed much better because you can move them in the same direction because it sums the speed, and you can move twice as fast. And so this actually gives you like, this huge range of like, degree of control over how fast to move the mouse button that I don't think any other controller has done.
0: I can't imagine actually doing that. Well, watch the video. That'd be crazy, because inevitably, I mean, just think about the arcs of your thumbs. Like, it's just one, one might be moving to the right, while the other one moves to the right, except one is moving to the right yeah, but and the a little thing bit is, up, and the other one a little bit here's
2: down. Why, here's why it's easy and awesome, is because it's constantly just summing the direction, so you can just feel your way through it. I'd
0: love to give it a try, but I, I just I have a hard time imagining it. I'm sure they didn't you know, plan to release it without testing it first. By the way,
3: uh, Tommy Riffinus, the programmer from Super Meat Boy, played Super Meat Boy with the Steam controller and said it worked really well. So that's kind of an interesting side element to that.
2: Okay. Well, he didn't say
3: that. He said it didn't work as well as a 360 controller. But he said he thought it was largely because he had a whole backlog of experience with a 360 controller that he thought that the Steam controller was not quite as good as that, but he didn't actually condemn it.
2: He gave him a very measured political response, which is fine because, I mean, you don't want to, you know. But, first of all, that was not the ideal application for the controller because Super Meat Boy is just a straight-up platformer, and you're, just, you're not going to get better than buttons that you can feel and tell where they are by touching them, right? I mean, that's the main thing that's missing with the Steam controller in a game that, you know uh functions exclusively on digital buttons, pretty much, for the most part, right? And so, right, but, you know, to, to say that, to evaluate a new controller and to say that it is worse than the existing one or not as good is not, in my opinion. Not what, a, a glowing response?
3: Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. I would have expected okay. to
2: yeah. say it was total shit, though. Well, I th- see, that's the thing. Like He, he has to I continue think, selling games on Steam now. I think he leveled his criticisms without you know, resorting to colorful words. Did you ever hear his comments on the App Store? I mean, he, he
3: doesn't nope. really like measure his words too well. So when he's not uh, abundantly critical,
0: I'd say that says something.
2: Well, fair enough. <laughs> Maybe it says other things too. Who knows? Yeah. Well, like I
0: said, I'm, I'm very curious to see it, but I'm probably still never going to use a Steam box. It's just not my
2: style. It's. I don't see why they wouldn't. Um, I mean, I don't know what plans they have for this, but this was, I think, would be a, just a nice controller to have for other applications other than on a Steam platform.
0: Here is what I can tell you: is that I, for many years, have been saying that the keyboard and mouse is an ab- absolutely horrible uh, gaming interface. The mouse, not so much. The yeah, keyboard, it's, it's keyboard not so pleasant is, for me either. Yeah, keyboard is miserable, and it's just. It's the lowest common denominator. Everyone has one, so that's what everyone uses. Um, and they need a better solution. So I'm happy that Valve is, is going forward with this, I guess, alternative and trying to make it somewhat commonplace. Um, I mean, not, not to mention the fact that they're kind of commoditizing uh, PC gaming to begin with or Linux or whatever. Um, so that's good. But making the control, going forward and making an entire controller for the Steam box is a fantastic move.
2: I'm just happy that it's better than TurboTouch 360.
0: Yeah. But, I mean, do you get the impression that they built this controller? Right, so they want to make it work with games that use a mouse, right? Because that's what they're used to. That's what everyone's used to. So do you think this controller is basically only going to be good for, like, first-person shooters and mouse-related stuff?
2: I think it will be best for that. And comparatively, uh,
0: yeah. And I guess we have the Microsoft controller, Microsoft 360 controller as an alternative. So you can just pick the controller that's good for your application. I mean,
2: I'll tell you what. This, I mean, that trackpad has is like a light years better than you know these piddly analog, so-called analog sticks that we have to use. You don't like analog sticks? We don't have time for me to get into. how I, I love analog, like analog
0: sticks. sticks.
2: Yeah. Well, that's another show.
0: All right. Well, I love the idea of having one gaming system and multiple control methods. Sure, why not? And you could just choose the best one. Anyway, end of the show. Thank you to FIG Conference, the Futures Games Conference. Um, We had fun. So thank you to everybody. Tristan, Abby, for being a part of the show. right, you're about to talk, man. Are you excited? Now it's time
2: for me to talk for yet another hour. You excited? Yeah.
0: 90 minutes. How can I contain myself? All right. We'll have that online soon, guys. Good night, guys.
3: Listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Tune in next week for more tips and info in the latest and greatest in video gaming. And remember all your base are belong to us.